Hello, we're back. And uh, tonight we're we're still doing 95 days out of 100 days of 100 days of college. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Uh, hello, Amy. Glad you're here. So I'm covering the topic on Sunday, which I feel like is a more relaxed day for contemplation and reflection and spirituality. Uh, a lot of people go to church on Sundays. Um, a lot of people just kind of rest and kind of try to get ready mentally for the onslaught of the work week. So I wanted to discuss the topic of the awkwardness of self-correction. And while people are like, yeah, self-correction is generally good. It's generally a good thing until it starts happening. And then it just all kinds of dysfunctional weirdness seems to go on. So I'm, I've always been curious about that. Um, you know, some people are like, you're wrong because you didn't do what I want, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's different from like, this was wrong and it needs to be corrected and you're like, oops, my bad, I'll just fix it. And then you fix it and then everybody seems to, it should relax after that and everybody goes on with their life. They're like, oh, that's not a problem anymore. And in many cases it is like that. Um, But sometimes the, the social fallout is like, no, no, that person needed the problem more than they needed you to fix it. So there is going to be some awkwardness around the issue of self-correction. Like You're like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, fix that grammar typo and that won't be a problem anymore, right? Well, some people need debt. They need, they need the problem to be in order to be considered useful or to look like a boss or, you know, so forth and so on. So this is a discussion more towards the virtue of self-correction you know, what's in it for you, why it's a good idea to just go ahead and self-correct despite some of the apparent drawbacks uh, that emerge, which is like negative, like kickback or noise uh, when you do try to self-correct. So let me invite some folks to the room. Boom, boom, boom. Um, so that happened. So I got Joshua and Amy. Um, does anybody want to step up and talk about the topic of self-correction? Because otherwise I'm just going to have to go to the internet and look for some stuff. <laughs> hey, Amy. I haven't talked to you in a while. Hey, I know. You didn't do your AI show yesterday. I know. There there was a pr- massive problem with my phone, and I couldn't oh, get no. it to operate at all. I put out an update... Um, I try to let people know that is not what should be happening at all. Um, but the good news is that I did get it fixed by today so that I could just kind of be resilient and get back in the game. Um, I do apologize to everyone who wanted to participate in that um, that topical. I will give you a topical on Monday night comparable to what you missed out on on Saturday. <laughs> we call it that AI well. Monday or something and um, and get back on the horse. So, sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> Technology. Um, but with self-correction, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you mean, um, but I, I I love the topic of, you know, like, when self-correction does kind of generate a pushback from others. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, is that know, your experience? Like, do you do you find that, that, you know, you're like, oh, well, this was a problem. I'm just going to fix it. Um, and then well, you fix when, it. 
Go ahead. Because sometimes people, you know, it depends on, well, it depends on what it is. I mean, there's the whole notion of people wanting, you know, preferring that you fail for one reason or another. But um, I'm interested in like the more interpersonal kind of things where, you know, from like me, you go to marriage counseling and you learn boundaries. Okay. And so yeah. you're, you're, cor you're correcting and you're, you know, taking ownership of your feelings and you're not blaming the other person, right? And so you, people like that, you know, people like when you don't blame them for how you feel or your actions or even your thoughts, you know, or your reactions, you take responsibility. Mm -hmm. But the problem comes in when you kind of um, hold them to the same idea, meaning, you know, mm -hmm. I have boundaries now, so I'm going to, you know, hold you accountable for that, which is yours. And so right. they, they like the good part of it, but everyone, you know, no matter what the context, no matter who the person is, people don't like when, when you kind of grow a, as a person and you can stand up for yourself and you can validate yourself because you can't be controlled as much. So even though, you know, they, they like what comes of it that benefits them, people mm -hmm. will push back. Um, and so that, that's just a fascinating topic that I've. Well, I mean, the family really with, but... is a small ecosystem of society. It's yeah. like, the, it's the, it's the smallest uh, ecosystem we have to compare other things to in terms of like authority. And it's, it's, a, it's the first one we get. It's the first, and, you know, government model so you disrupt model we get. the dynamics. You disrupt the interpersonal dynamics when you change in any way, really. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's like when the alcoholic, there's the alcoholic and the codependent. The alcoholic actually quits alcohol and gets clean and they're sober. And all of a sudden the relationship falls apart. So the spouse, the codependent spouse, gets what they claimed to have wanted this whole time. But now they have nothing to hold over the head of the yes karmic or psychic debt i yeah, wish i maybe i should do a follow-up program on psychic debt because i think it's just kind of a fallacy all of its own you don't really have the right to hold someone else's faults about other things that can't be controlled anyway and so what i see in really dysfunctional situations is they start accruing or becoming these weird kind of bankers stuff that has nothing to do with them that is completely out of range of their personal control right. um they start blaming the i guess the identified patient's person and in this case right. let's call it the alcoholic person um or the addict person so the addict person is the identified patient and then they kind of become like this dartboard for all the problems of the world. And I've seen that dynamic. It's super unhealthy because that person's whole whole existence or the, the role that they take in the relationship is to become basically a giant garbage can for the other one. Yeah. To not take responsibility for their own feelings, their own actions, or doing something to correct a situation that they could correct. And, and then kind of letting go of things that they couldn't correct meaning right. un things that is are in no one's control like take death out of the world there shall be no more death like the concepts like that that's delusional nobody can take death out of the world i mean right. things die every day uh make the sun not rise you know what i'm saying the sky weather. shall be pink and the weather shall be sunny and 72 degrees all year long that's just not happening not happening 
right? Right. So, um, so we, you, go ahead. We like to point the finger, you know, I think even just every single family dynamic, you know, you use that term identified patient. And um, I love that, you know, that that's kind of what they call it. You know, the family goes to counseling and then the family communicates to the therapist who this problem, who the problem is. And it's either like one of the kids and they're like the scapegoat of the family. Um, but I think our culture is kind of, you know, almost pedestalizing the victim. And, you know, it's like the oppression Olympics and there is no, mm. there is no teaching of boundaries. There is no accountability. And it's funny because I learned boundaries and so, I found an opportunity to teach my children and I sat them down one time they were one was crying he's sticking his tongue out at me and I was like you can't control other people you know you can ask for what you want hey can you please stop doing that it hurts my feelings so he said that to her knowing full well that she was gonna just stick out her tongue at him in response and she did and so I tried to teach him you know you can not look at her you can leave the room you can change the meaning of what someone sticking their tongue out at you means you know, you, you know, you trying to empower the person whose feelings are hurt. And um, so I was all proud of myself, right? And then the next day, I'm like, hey, pumpkin, you know, go upstairs and say, you gotta brush your teeth. And she walks up to me with this little smile on her face and puts her hand on her hip. And she goes, but mama, you can't control other people. And so I'm like, dang, you know, like, this is why we hmm. don't teach these things. We don't empower our children because they're very difficult to control. And I handled it uh, quite well. You know, I, I handed her power back and uh, agreed with her that I could not make her brush her teeth. But, you know, I had to figure out what I was going to do. She gets her choice and then I get to make mine. So I'm like, let me go get a little sticky note to write on the fridge that I can't. I just have to make sure you don't have anything with sugar in it. And she runs up the stairs in a huff and she comes back down with the toothbrush in her mouth and she gets, you know, as into my face as she could being like five years old. And um, mm. well, she, she displayed what, what's called like begrudging respect, meaning, you know, I handed her her choice. I let her make her choice. And even mm -hmm. as young as she was, she knew that I had the right to make my choice based on her choice. And, and so she is that, that brilliance it, that's brilliant that's super brilliant yeah. and and I you didn't actually have to quote unquote control anybody you just managed right. choices and that actually is the best thing I, I I clap for you that's really great I wish I could do that with all adults every day all day long yeah you know it gets harder when you say deal with teenagers you know because they start yeah. playing passive aggressive games okay and I think that that there's an arrested development, say, in our political culture where, you know, they feel like dirtbags, skullduggery, shell games, lying, deception, and, uh, you know, sniping from gossip from behind the scenes is the way to go. But unfortunately, yeah. the real adults in, you know, in that ecosystem, the political ecosystem, don't actually do that because they need to function. Okay, there's some on the on the cosmetic, like on the front side with with some of the press, but if they've got to get anything done, they have to build actual relationships. And in adult relationships, you just can't burn up capital on stupidity like that, on super high school, like junk. Yeah. Um, uh, and so what you have to, I, I'm trying to get into the the grip of. All right, so so you self-corrected, and 
you know, what does that actually mean to somebody who called you out? Well, you know, it means that you were, you're wrong and you'll always be wrong forever. No, no, it doesn't. That's not, <laughs> that's not true. Okay. Uh, but they want, they want power. They want the power to invalidate you in a perpetual way. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of like more of a, of a social construct. And that's what and they're the doing. And the solution is, mm-hmm. you know, you learn how to validate yourself. That Self-validation, like yeah. My biggest lesson at 40 years old, like I had to be told that I could say, and I'm okay with it. You know, that's like my Twitter handle, and I'm okay with it because it changed my <laughs> life. I'm like, I can do that. Like, I don't need, I don't need him to be okay with it if I'm okay with what I did. You know, because people are manipulative. You know, just mm. that's just how people function. And if you call someone. You know, you call a parent like a bad mom. Ooh, you know, it's like that's going for the jugular. And so it's like, well, you know, I what does that even mean? Mistake. Like, you know, it just it just means that, you know, it's going back to that five year old place. Like, you know, yes. I hate you today because you, you I, you know, am having a control issue. Yeah. Like, you what is it me, really? So what's I'm really going on? You. you hurt what? me. And so I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to oh. call you a name that's going to hit you where it pounds. And I used to defend against that. And I would bring out my list of why I'm such a great mom. And then, you know, when I learned the boundaries, I was like, you know what? You can think what you want about me. I know that I'm a good mom. I disagree. Story, you know, end of conversation. And so I had this essay written that I wrote a while ago, like how to never argue with anyone again. And it was essentially, you know, self-validation. Where is it? Where is it? Where is this essay? I never published it. Oh, my God. Read it. Read it. Go get it. Read it. Oh, God. It's not fully complete, but it's mostly complete. Okay, it's um, fine. It's I fine. I, I so want to hear this. I really, really want to hear this. Yes. Uh, I never argue. I should be able to find it. This is rad. I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Mm. Let's see if this is it. No, well, while you're uh, searching around yeah, for, okay. for a thing, um, this is kind of in that, that arc of pop psychology and, you know, everyday grievance territory. Because, uh, you know, the world is throwing a lot at everyone. Um, and we're in a chronic stress position at this point between, you know, forever COVID, uh, whatever that means. Because now we have African COVID. It wasn't, you know, before we just had, like, Chinese COVID. I'm like, what? This new variant came from Africa? You know, and I'm thinking it's still Chinese COVID. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you know what I mean? that. Yeah, Is I mean, that's... African COVID now? Yeah, they, they had the, the sub-variant actually was was uh, tracked to, to, to somewhere in the Congo by, by the reporting that's out there. But I don't think it really matters. I think the whole point... Is that you know if they keep bombing us with with subvariants, then then this is supposed to be the forever permission slip to control our lives, and I didn't give consent for that, and right. so like every opportunity I get, I, I you know I was murmuring to myself like a, like like a crazy lady on the road driving up here to get back so that I could do this, this program. Like they they really need to stop stop the emergency rule. They really they should have done it. They should have done you know kind of like that guy in um, Office Space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Milton. 
Milton with a red statement. They, they should have they yeah, should have stopped the emergency better. management rules. They should they should have done it. <laughs> or I'll burn the building down, you know. <laughs> so that's kind of like I where I was him. at. No, nobody's listening to me. They should they should have done it. And of course, I you can't. Sound like the guy from the Muppets. Yeah, Milton, Milton from from Office Space. Um, you know, and of course, the the way it ends is he ends up on a remote island with a with a ton of cash that he filched from the the office. He just you know he just landed in his lap because somebody else was stealing. <laughs> and of course, he ends up you know caressing the the the, the person who didn't give him enough what blue curacao in his in his in his drink. And. uh you know, low grade, you know, passive aggression, trying to come back. Because people it. don't change that much. <laughs> did you find it? Did you find it? Thing? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever found yourself having a ridiculous argument with someone? Probably. If said ridiculousness stemmed from the belief that the other person was being unreasonable, well, you're in good company. And I'm here trumpeting the good news that we can easily put an end to that crap. Validate and empower yourself to peace and freedom, avoiding arguments and drama along the way. I had a moment of insight in marriage counseling that changed my life in a way that I never thought possible, nor even imagined. Sidebar, other major insights followed, all of which took up our business as usual. We ended up divorcing, but along the way, and within that gr the grief of that loss, I found myself. So here's the background you need to know. The hubs and I were getting along unusually well. So what happened? I headed out to pick up our takeout dinner. Along the way, I had the impulse to grab a sexy surprise for later. And as I headed back out to grab the food, he called. He says, where are you? I'm like, oh, so the food wasn't ready yet. And he's like, Amy, they just called me wondering where you are. Dramatic pause. My face looked like this with the eyes wide open. My associated inner monologue says, oh, 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 I'm busted. I say nothing and then I'm anxious with an inner monologue of, oh shit, I'm in trouble. And now the surprise is ruined too. Enter guilt and disappointment. Please to be armed with a valid defense to reconcile my dishonesty and guilt, but sad that it's at the expense of my surprise, I offer, mm. well, crap. I wanted it to be a surprise, but I stopped to get us something for later that I think you'll like. Feeling redeemed, I reach down to grab my fallen halo, raise it over my head and slowly lower it back into place with a smile. He says, you lied to me? His tone reaches out to snatch my halo. I'm like, what? He reasserts, you lied to me. Oh, yeah, no. shock and horror ensue. Apropos to my innocence, I instinctively grab and hold my halo's position proudly over my head while I defended myself again and again. I find myself in an unexpected disadvantage of this ginormous question mark dangling over and banging against my head and my halo, mind you. It's getting in the way of seeing straight and thinking straight as he remains upset at me for lying to him. My sanity is at risk. Sidebar, my lie obviously wasn't the real issue, but it served as a convenient distraction. This felt crazy making. I mean, we were getting along so well. I intended to continue that, convinced that my actions would be well, re well received or even appreciated. But suddenly we're in this big fight that drags on for days and I'm the bad guy and it's all my fault, WTF. Cut to the counseling session. Picture me exasperated as I explained all of this, frustrated that I can't get through to him. Counselor says, so you're trying to convince him that what you did was okay. Me, well, yeah, can you blame me? Wouldn't you? Counselor says, no. I pause. She says, do you want to know what I would say if I were you? I'm like, of course, please. I lean forward, very eager to hear. And I don't want to miss a word because I seriously have no idea where she's going with this. And usually I'm 
very clued in. Um, she says, well, if I were you, I'd say to him, yes, dear, I lied to you because I wanted to surprise you. And if I want to surprise you again in the future, I'll probably lie to you again. And drum roll, and I'm okay with that. But um, I was stunned, mind blown. I reached down to pick up my jaw off the floor and say, wait, I can do that? I literally had no idea that this was even an option. I can just validate myself? Really? Wow, that counts? Who knew? Needless to say, it was a defining moment and would become the skill that had been incredibly empowering for me. And the best part, the best and strongest felt effect of that empowerment is how fucking liberating it is. I can't even begin to tell you. I don't know which is more profound, the impact of that realization and its application on my life, or that it had to be or that it had been entirely absent to begin with, that I had to be told and taught that such a thing at age 40. It was mind boggling to me and I've been curious enough to have gleaned some insight. Um, Self-validation has a prerequisite that so many, so many of us lack in today's culture, healthy boundaries. To wow. me, our society not only fails to teach boundaries, but our culture isn't even a fan of them. We're practically discouraged. There is so much more to discuss mm. here. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it goes on a little bit, but it's in essence, you know, the PC culture, like you're not allowed to offend me. You're not allowed to say something that offends me. And it's like, well, how are you going to know that there's, there's no way to know. I mean, unless you were ultra psychic, like wall crawler, fly on the the, the walls of the world of everyone. You can't know. You cannot know. Being loving sometimes is highly offensive. Ask my kids. Ask my kids about how they feel when I'm actually a good parent. They're offended. They hate it. And it's the most loving thing you can do. You know, it's the most loving thing you can do is to be honest with somebody. Mm. Confront yourself. Confront them. You know? Um, Well, the the role of self-honesty, too, Amy. You know, if you self-validate, you're being honest with yourself. You know, you yeah. have to say, is this true? Right. Are you having and a moment so, where you're like, you know, somebody can attack you and you really feel, you really feel disorganized. You feel maybe, you know, maybe. Well, the problem is, is mm-hmm. that most of us have an external sense of self, meaning that I see myself in your eyes. It's a reflected, you are my mirror. Therefore, mm. I need you to see me in the way that I want to be perceived. I but you can't myself. you can't do that you can't right. and i know i know that i can't do that um and uh what i wanted to add to 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 our discussion specifically is that um because i know i can't do that um i've done extraordinary things to try to manage that and and shape uh influence but now what's more important to me in life like as I progress in age, as I is to know what is true, to know what right. is true, and to to kind of frame everything towards towards that, towards what's actual reality. Um, so so Amy, I've got another caller in the queue, yeah. and it's, it's Vladi. I want to talk to him. So right. I, thank you for sharing your essay. That was golden. It's what we needed. I appreciate you. you coming by. And would you stay for the rest of the show? Yep. Okay, I'm going to take Blotty. Hey, Blotty, how's it going? You can unmute your mic. <laughs> Is he there? 
Okay, he's not he's not responding at this point. Um, so I guess a few more ideas about what's going on with kind of self-correction, because that's that's the orbit of where I'm kind of going. You know, you're always able to self-correct, but you won't always get recognized in the way that you think you should get recognized. So we're 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 dialing into that kind of like mirror and self-perception kind of thing. You know, you're not going to always get the recognition or um, substantive embrace of what's actually true. Like, oh, well, I fixed that. If they need you to be the bad guy, then they'll still throw darts at you for that thing that you did that, that's no longer really a problem, but it represents something more to them uh, in, in terms of debt. And that, that is what's more valuable to the wokest PC, whatever you want to call it, it's it's going to transphobic culture that's out there, the cancel mob that wants to go after your money, they want to go after your um, your, your uh, commercial viability, and unfortunately they, they want to you know, gin up conflict so that the, that the actual tech architecture can make money and so there, there's kind of a weirdo cabal there, you know, people who actually are great at crazy making, and they're really great at, at, at stoking um, kind of vile little conflicts online. Um, they've, they've hired uh, firms to create robots that will do it on Twitter, in that in that it becomes an AI. But you know, but people, it starts with a person who's really good at kind of being a verbal bomb thrower they just they just throw the verbal molotov cocktail and no one can escape like the the assertions that they're making um so over the years you just learn what bait looks like and even if they accuse you of something that doesn't make it true so i get accused of stuff like all the time i get accused of stuff like all the time but it's not it's not necessarily true um I get told things that, you know, it's people will throw things at you because they are trying to deal with their own stuff. And sometimes I, I feel like I'm strong enough to, like, take it, but sometimes I really, I, I, it takes me off guard. And so sometimes I feel the urge to, to correct something that isn't wrong. So self-correcting is, for me in that situation, is just kind of being truthful and honest with myself about, what just happened and so if you're disoriented by someone taking a shot at you or um, you know stoking an argument or you know making a character assassination based on something you did or didn't do to their liking um, I think you always should, should manufacture some room to kind of check in with yourself if you can and don't make any decisions in the moment. I mean, a lot of people get really voicey, like, I didn't say that, I didn't do that, la, 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 la. And that's what they want. They want that that defensive engagement because that's how they actually you open the door for them to get their hooks in you. So you're trying to back out of that. It's it's kind of a, a nasty cycle that kind of perpetuates and self-perpetuates over, over time. But you don't really owe anyone failure. You owe yourself the best chance that you can possibly make. So 
how to unsanction your mind. This is the way to unsanction your mind. So you can you can meditate on what is true, what is actually what actually did happen. And if if you did get it wrong, you know, you can go to that person and try to make amends. They don't it's not a guarantee that it'll it'll be okay with them because that won't fix their dysfunction or their situation. But you can try to say you're sorry and you can try to make it up to them. You know, most people in, in a, on a good day are pretty reasonable. You know, they're, they're, you're not dealing with, you know, mean girls in high school uh, from the popular clique every day. Most people are like, yeah, well, I see that's kind of reasonable. Let's, let's, let's put this behind us and, you know, let's go, let's go play, you know, backgammon or tennis, you know. And they get on with their lives. You know, let's go play a card game or, you know, let's get back to writing or whatever. And so you can overcome arguments and, you know, per- personal kerfuffles. But self-correction can also be things like, you know, like, wow, I was really wrong about that concept, too. You know, when all of this uh, PC stuff started getting exhumed, there was a lot of history that came out that, that was really dark about America. And it it's true. Some of it, most of it is true. You know, it, and I had to, to educate people out there, you know, that there are, there are Christians out there that I respect and I would go to for spiritual guidance without any hesitation because I know that they're, they're really involved with the spirituality. They, they pray. They actually believe what's in the, in the Bible. They think and they meditate upon the scriptures. They're being transformed by their spiritual practice in that way, meaning like they're actually doing their faith. Um, that doesn't mean they're perfect people. It just means that they're they're more excellent at, at it than maybe I am um, in, in terms of practicing any kind of spiritual discipline. And, you know, fasting, prayer, uh, you know, discipling others, we're helping people kind of overcome certain certain problems. You know, do you accept leadership? How do you accept responsibility for a certain certain amount of problems? Is this problem my problem? Did God call me to this? Yada yada yada. And so there's like a whole tree of responsibilities that kind of kind of get at you. Like, is this my responsibility? God, did you call me to this? You know. And there are plenty of people who want to manipulate you into taking on things that are not your responsibility, so that they don't have to do it, and they don't have to do it. <laughs> That's that's like really a big thing that happens in the nonprofit world like all the time. So I the same moves, same type of people, same type of everything apply to politics and the nonprofit spectrum of, of people trying to get work for free. So I've just seen like a seamless transition, same tools, same guilt trips, same manipulation, same free labor ploys, everything. So I'm pretty, pretty thick-skinned when it comes to people, you know, trying to, to really get at me and try to get me to do things that, that really aren't in my, my personal best interest after a time. But man, did it take some work because they, they can really, they can really kind of confuse you. They can, they can confuse a good, good-hearted person who wants to do the right thing. So, um... So I appreciate all the listeners who came by. Hey, Blotty, did you did you get in to do your mic? You know, do you want any parting shots? We gotta wrap this up. <laughs> Our thirty minutes is up. The, the the God Cannon is shining the red light on us. Like we gotta get off the stage here. 
All right. That's day 95 of Unsanction Your Mind. We had a great discussion about the awkwardness of self-correction. Don't be afraid to be correct or get correct. It's it's uh, it's between you and God and, and the higher powers anyway. So come back tomorrow around this time and we'll have some more content on day 94 of 100 Days Call-In at the Unsanctioned Citizen. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call-in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com. <laughs>